This show is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com. Welcome to I Shouldn't Have to Say This, the podcast where we discuss topics we believe requires critical and nuanced thinking. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at saythiscast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at saythiscast and go to saythiscast.com if you want to hear previous episodes. Hey there, party podcast people, and welcome to the podcast where we talk about cyberpunk and cyberpunk-related products. <laughs> uh, before before the show, we were talk. I I was talking about my experience with Cyberpunk 2077, which will factor in today's discussion. Although I will not talk quite as extensively about it. Uh, today's topic is how capitalism hurts art, or I guess more precisely, how capitalism and art intersect and kind of have contradictory goals that ruin art and the pursuit of art. Yep. So I thought that it might be interesting to start with a bit of a personal story. Uh, I don't know if anybody knew this, but at one point I was a poet. I uh, wrote a lot creatively. That is my degree, creative writing, specialty in poetry. And it was really fulfilling and good for me. And I was fucking good. Just so everybody knows, I was like A tier in my program. There were favorites amongst the faculty, and I was one. <laughs> um, well, okay then. <laughs> uh, I have some stories, <laughs> but I won't put anybody on blast like that. <laughs> but uh, I realized at some point that if I wanted to write poetry, because of the person that I am, being black and queer and a woman, that if I was going to write poetry and I wanted to be like financially successful in doing it, I was going to have to just repetitively write traumatic shit. I was going to have to make a spectacle of my mental illness or my race or my sexuality to break through to a wider audience. And sometimes Did I just- Did you say wider or whiter? Both. Yeah, I was, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. But the point is that like there is almost no path for me to write the type of poetry that I actually wanted to write. Nature poems and shit. Some like real ass basic shit. I had to be political if I wanted to be successful, which is annoying. It's something that you'll also hear from black people in journalism and stuff. Like, people want you to be able to write about a lot of stuff, but also uh, it's way easier to just go like, let me just tell white people about my pain and suffering. That's how you make the money. I've had this conversation with a lot of black creatives, and this always seems to come back that a lot of the time black creatives are pushed into this position of not being able to produce the art that they want to produce. My big example of this is that uh, every single time there was an opportunity for somebody to read poetry at something when I was in college, they would call on me because I was the favorite black poet in the entire goddamn program. The best, the, the brightest. <laughs> I'm serious. I got like 50 requests one year. <laughs> it, was, nice. it was nuts. And the thing is, I'm a terrible reader. I hate performing. It makes me sick to my stomach. And I don't write slam poetry. Never been much of a performance poet person. I wanted to live on the page and my reading of it, like I can do it, but I don't want to. Even though I would do this and not write poetry that was suitable for reading and I wouldn't actively seek out positions to read, people just assume because of the person that I am that I would have that type of poem. 
Um, and the fact that my creative desires and what would be profitable or make me successful or put me into positions where I could move forward, there was such a gulf there that eventually I just kind of decided to abandon poetry because there was no path forward that would afford me the type of success that I would need to not literally die and still let me do what I wanted to do. I would need to just create trauma porn for the rest of my life and still probably not make that much money. But that's besides the point. And you have to, basically, you would have to play the game mm -hmm. to get to a place where you could just write what you wanted, which would take years of putting out trauma porn like you said and even when you write what you want to there's still no chance that when or some chance that when you make that switch creatively that you'll lose all of your support to illustrate what i'm talking about in case that wasn't clear i wanted to talk about music because i feel like it has a really extreme case of this type of divide there's a lot of really mm -hmm. good music out there and then there's a lot of good music which is good and also super listened to. The most popular artists with the most extravagant lifestyles often produce fun music, but it doesn't really challenge the listener or tread new ground or go anywhere new. Like if you t switch on the radio, you'll probably hear a very similar type of song about five times in a row. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's bad or good because I like pop music popular in terms of like popularity and like relevance to the mainstream and not like the genre but also it's hard to ignore that type of popular music is the type that is super hyper encouraged under capitalism and the experimental type of music which is also valuable for the pursuit of artistic freedom creative expression for like connecting people within like certain niches is not as encouraged there's not as much of a monetary uh incentive to to producing that type of music and therefore it's not economically viable for a lot of people to pursue that even if they want to yeah the weird thing about that is the, the length of expected songs like three minutes up to like five minutes that that isn't because people just like writing music in that in that format it's because that's what's most profitable that's that's what radio stations want to play because it fits in with their with their setup if people didn't have that requirement there would be songs that are three minutes ten minutes like there are songs that are like 10 minutes long that are very very good did i ever tell uh, you that i know that are like, every single word of pyramids by frank ocean I did not know that. I did. I got really drunk when I was working at a um, <laughs> at a internship for a nonprofit, and we did karaoke, yeah. and I sang every single last word of it in front of a lot of people who are all at least 20 to 30 years older than me, <laughs> verbatim without looking at the goddamn lyrics. I mean, I can I can probably do like 90% of, of Rapper's Delight. That's, that's 15 minutes. Yeah. And the thing about that is... In like you were talking about experimental music, you have experimental music and that translates to further pop music. Like you need experimental music. You need people just screwing around and inventing new ways of performing because like you have stuff from – this is one I can think of like Michael Jackson. Mm -hmm. And he did like some weird stuff that wasn't expected but that was part of the mainstream for a long long time 
people trying to mimic that sound or using that sound to do stuff like if people are able to create and just create then wonderful things happen but with our capitalist system that's just not an option for many many people yeah it's like science most scientific discoveries are discovered while you're trying to look up the answer to a specific question but you end up finding something else in that um and under and like usually uh that would be great under capitalism if you're not investigating the thing that you were funded to investigate that research that new research that people do is often like tossed to the side or like the individual scientists who would gladly go down that rabbit hole can't Mm -hmm. um, because they can't secure the funding to do so and so in that same way there's a lot of artistic freedom or artistic wanderlust that's kind of suppressed because there's a thing that people are looking for and if you want to feed yourself as an artist you have to produce that right there's a reason why you can listen to the early work of certain artists and it'll be super playful and exciting and they'll be investigating all sorts of new things and that's why they'll get popular but after a while of being at the top of their game they'll stop investigating because they can't go anywhere new because of the incentive to produce what they've already produced because it's uh, a guaranteed return on their investment. Yeah. Weezer had two albums where it was kind of the same sound. Then they released Pinkerton and everybody flipped out and they're like, no, we don't want to listen to Weezer anymore. And that just killed their their fan base for a very long time and is like a lot of experimental stuff stuff that is just off the beaten path and then years later uh, people are like that's their best album yeah and it's infuriating i'm sure because they they explored and they they created something new and people and then they just didn't make any money off it so they had to go back to the standards kind of stuff and that kind of brought them back and that sort of thing is just it's depressing insane yeah exactly it's so sad yeah because and this is something maybe i should have said i'm taking this as a granted Mm. the pursuit of art and like cultural expression in terms of art is intrinsically valuable to me i think that it's a worthwhile pursuit aside from the money that it makes and i think that it improves our lives significantly to have good art oh definitely to be challenged by good art to be in a world with beautiful things to be in a world with challenging things humans need uh cognitive stimulation and ways of expressing ourselves it's what sets us apart from the animals and so when i talk about art and i express frustration about money making as being the main incentive of the production of art that's kind of what i'm getting at Or like we can also look to the movie industry, which is not something I wrote down because I feel like we all know how derivative and tired the the movie industry is right now. And TV to some degree too. It's all fucking reboots of shit that was in the 20 year nostalgia cycle. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it because I'm not saying that all of the shows that come from that are bad. It's just, it feels like we can't tread new ground anymore. Because the profit incentive is elevated so far up above the pursuit of art or the pursuit of new things and new experiences. In the movies, when we think about stuff that is just samey and everything, people look at the at like superhero movies mm-hmm. 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like that whole long thing. The thing is that that was a creative storm. Like nobody has done something like that. And the reason that they were able to do it was because they didn't have to make a ton of money off of the movies. And they just went wild with interconnecting franchises. Now that's a huge thing in our world. And it has actually brought about like a lot of creativity in how movies are made. Like things are changed like forever because of that. And that all came from people doing new things. But right now, it feels like when we do a new thing, we have to keep doing that thing into perpetuity. And newness isn't given much weight anymore. It's really difficult to do a new idea. Everybody would rather pursue the old thing. Right. And it might be worthwhile to get into why a little bit right now. So at the beginning of every single creative industry in existence, no matter what it is, artists are in charge to begin with. At the beginning of the movie industry, uh, the people who are at the heads of studios, movie studios, uh, those were the people who were also directing these movies. Those are the people who felt really passionate about the product that they were putting out there or the piece of art that was being produced. They cared that it was good. But as things become profitable, they start to attract people from other industries who are less interested in the production of good art and more interested in the production of more capital. And here is the point where we can transfer into the real reason why I brought up this discussion, which is just really another excuse to talk about Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I, oh, we're, we're, gonna t- we're talking about movies? It's like, oh, we can talk about, uh, Video the, games. about New Hollywood, like New Hollywood, and about how uh, like George Lucas was like a creative force in the 70s, and how that translated into, nope, Cyberpunk. Nope, we're going to talk about Cyberpunk. Yes, God. So when we're talking about a creative industry that becomes less creative over time, I think that it's really illustrated to look at the video game industry because it's a little bit younger than the rest of these industries. Like, it would be really difficult for me to prove that claim entirely for the music industry, you know, because the music industry has always existed, no matter like what conglomeration or organization for a society, music has always existed. But video games are about, what, like 60 years old? Um, yeah, about. So at the beginning of like the history of video games, it was a completely unproven fucking thing. Uh, So very naturally, when you're doing a pursuit of something just kind of like artistically interesting or just kind of like technically interesting, the people who are interested in pursuing that are people who are passionate about it. They don't need to know that creating Pong will make tons of money, or they don't need to know that creating Pac-Man will make tons of money before they do it. They do it, and by treading new ground or being free to create new things, that leads to a good product which is exciting and which connects to people and makes money. Now, over time in the video game industry, games have gotten better. They've gotten better. Like games are better than they were 20 years ago. So sorry. But they are less interesting at times. Mm. And the production cycle has become 
uh, increasingly toxic towards games. And I think we should say that in that we're talking more about like AAA games and games that that have come out and now they're they're kind of produced by larger companies. Yeah, I mean, um, I think that the indie market is also a cesspit, but there's more. There's oh, there yeah. are more glimmers of hope in the indie in the indie industry than yeah. like AAA people that are independent from large studios like Microsoft or or Sony or, mm-hmm. or uh, EA and everything. They are they have more freedom to create. The problem is the other problem is that when you have more freedom to create, that means people are going to create a lot more crap. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a different kind of cesspool. Uh, but I just want to put that in. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about t- Cyberpunk 2077 because I'm obsessed. But also because um, <laughs> it kind of really infuriates me to play this game. Because I think that the artistic threads that are in Cyberpunk 27, 2077 are actually really, 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 really admirable. Um, in case you're unfamiliar with the game, Cyberpunk 2077 is a first-person RPG developed by a company named uh, CD Projekt Red. Announced in 2013, the game was billed as this incredible leap into the future of video games that made promises that were like just through the roof, all sorts of shit, um, beautiful graphics, uh, third person, um, all this stuff was dropped midway through development. New engine, smartest AI ever, uh, all sorts of crazy shit. Um, which sounded absolutely incredible, but as we now know, was unachievable for whatever reason. And I could sit here and I could critique the individual lies that they told for hours, lamenting how, like... So, the AI is the dumbest shit in the world. It's really, like... (laughs) (laughs) In Grand Theft Auto, if you punch somebody on the street, it doesn't matter if that's like a Joe Schmo or a cop, they're going to punch you back. And in Cyberpunk 2077, no one ever fights you back unless they're actually like categorized as an enemy. If you like attack a citizen, they'll just start cowering or they'll just die. <laughs> so, so that's what we're kind of, so that's what we're kind of talking about. <laughs> ah, he hit me. <laughs> so I could, I could, uh, lament that or the lack of gameplay balance or the long laundry list of glitches that I've personally experienced or how abysmally the game runs after the first big update. Um, but that shit's worn out. You can look up and you can look that shit up if you're interested. What I wanted to talk about is why this game ended up such a shit show, because I'm going to tell you really hot take the narrative instincts of cyberpunk are really, 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 really good. The, the main storyline, the storyline of like a dying protagonist and like some fucking schmuck from like. 50 years ago who thought that they were super cool and hot shit and who like died for their political beliefs but then like did it in such a way that like their life was actually ineffectual and then they have to like wake up 50 years later and like realize that all their friends fucking hated them and like the world moved on and nobody remembers him pretty cool um and then you have a bunch of side characters that are also have really awesome like storylines like just the nomads, just the Aldecados have such an interesting storyline. And each and every gang, like, I eat the lore for this game up more than I eat the game up. <laughs> so the disconnect between the, th- the ideas that they were playing with and the actual product that you get is really infuriating to me. 
Um, and the answer to how the game ended up so fucked uh, was video game development cycles under capitalism. So the fact of the matter is that Cyberpunk and almost any other like huge AAA game that you can imagine is too big to fail. Cyberpunk 2077 had an eight-year development cycle and cost $313 million to produce. Good Christ, and like half really? of those eight, yes, that's what I looked up today. And apparently half of those development years were wasted, LOL, but I'm never gonna, I'm not gonna linger on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> the fact of the matter is that every single delay that Cyberpunk got was going to hurt CD Projekt Red's bottom line and therefore their shareholders. When they said that the game would release in 2017, or, oh God, too many years, too many years uh, in 2020, um, <laughs> this was a super important date. Um, they couldn't push that back another year because because uh, CD Projekt Red, I don't believe, is working on multiple projects. They were working on this. They released Gwent, um, and they released some DLC for uh, The Witcher, but the main focus was this fucking game. So it had to ship, they had to do numbers, or they'd be fucked. So when the game wasn't ready in 2020, Guess what the fuck they did? Released it anyways. Just fuck it. Even though yeah. absolutely everybody involved in the in the production of the game that has been spoken to or gone on the record, uh, no matter if they're like, most of them are not saying their names because they're going to get fucking fired if they do that. But um, <laughs> But most of the people who have made statements have said, oh, we didn't think that shit would be done until like 2022, 2024. Huh, no, nowhere near. As somebody with like a perplexing obsession with this game, I can personally attest to how half-baked the game is, like just in like certain game systems and such. But the storyline, it's like, it's really hard. You can tell that they wanted to do something so, so badly. So when I talk about Cyberpunk 2077, I think about like, wow, this game was so stunning and beautiful and there are all these heartfelt touching moments and also this pile of garbage that it sits on top of. It's like a cherry sitting on a pile of shit. And it's like, <laughs> if you, if they polished, if they just, if they just did something to the turd, if they replaced the turd with literally anything else, this probably would have been my favorite, like one of my favorite games. It really speaks to me. Um, in terms of like some of the stuff that like, if you look past everything, you're like, wow, this is cool. But it wasn't because it had to release and that there was no mechanism for it to get pushed back. Even though the people who worked on this project and cared about this project the most, the developers really wanted to give it more time. Yeah. Um, but that's capitalism, baby. They had to get their return on investment at this point. And to be clear, I do not blame the CEO or the shareholders for pressuring the game to go out the door. That's just the system. Um, they needed that shit to go out. Like, yeah, I mean, they put their livelihoods into the game just as the developer put their livelihoods into the yeah, game. They needed the return on that investment because CD Projekt Red hadn't been doing anything else. Another year or two would have been a massive loss for everybody involved. Um, it's just a goddamn shame how capitalism doesn't give a fuck about how good the product is so much as you can make money on it. And the other thing that's kind of tragic about this is CD Projekt Red, even though they've made a ton of money, 
has had to return a lot of money to everybody involved. And they're currently getting mm-hmm. sued by their shareholders because their shareholders felt lied to about certain claims, about if the game would be ready, what it would run on, just, you know, basic disclosures that they have to be honest about. Right. But we see this all over the game industry. Yearly development cycles, unfinished games, r- games with road lag, roadmaps the length of the Great Wall of China, littered with broken promises to gamers, to investors, to everybody involved. And it's abysmal, but it's also the logical conclusion of this, which of the system, which sees good art as a product, as a byproduct rather than a worthwhile pursuit. So how do we fix this, I guess, is the next point that I want to end on. So socialism? Yeah, but I don't think so I so on this show we advocate typically for market socialism, which would involve workplace democracy. Um and under a market socialist system, there would still be the profit margin behind the production of any art. You would still need to make money. But one of the things that really bothers me is the fact that There are a lot of people in the video game industry and in the movie industry that don't give a fuck about video games or movies. They care about the money that they can make off video games and and movies. Those are the shareholders. I feel very strongly that the way to move forward and to increase the quality of art and the lives of the artists creating this art is to allow them to have control. Democratize the workplace. Let the artists control the Uh, development cycle. Let them decide how big is too big for this game. What's in scope? What's out of scope? How do we come up with a timeline that makes sense for what we are able to do with the resources that we have, rather than pie-in-the-sky-ass CEOs saying whatever they want and then charging their developers with meeting expectations that had no chance of working ever? Yeah. 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 That that's all you got, mm-hmm. huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's the show. That's it. That's yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh yeah, market marketplace marketplace uh what was it? Marketplace socialism? What, market what socialism democratize the workplace let um the people who care about the art control the have the um, say in development cycles and stuff. Let them control their own lives. All right, so after all that, uh, we want to talk about something good, something something fun or something that's bringing us happiness. And honestly, a lot of times uh, just thinking about this, when we're just looking back on uh, the things that may have made us happy, because we always end with something that's making us happy. A lot of times it is art. It is something that, that is considered a piece of art, TV, movies, video games, uh, um, books, things like that. We've like, never said a book. Don't I, lie. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I said like a comic book sometime. Oh, yeah. You might've said a comic, but I was like, like we ain't readers what are you talking about i read more in college than most of you motherfuckers have read in your entire lives (laughs) pretty much yeah but the 
but the the pursuit of art and the and the the actual consumption of of creative works it's intrinsically uh connected to happiness like something that gives you joy is usually a creative work so it gives you experience outside of your own exactly and i want to ask you nicole what has been making you happy fuck i just thought of one okay um nice so there is this uh game studio called choice of games and they make um text-based adventure games so like if you imagine uh one of those choose your own adventure books um but it's a game and they have it on like mobile and on steam i think they sell them and also you can play them on your web browser but they're super 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 fun and there are all sorts of kinds of them i've been playing them for a lot of years but i just recently found a uh series that they came out with called um well uh they don't have i guess they don't share the title but the first game is called tally ho and the second one is called jolly good cake and ale um and in this (laughs) and it is a um kind of victorian comedy type thing where um you play in the first game you play as like a servant taking care of like your idiot fucking um uh employer and like managing their like weird victorian like social circles and such and it's like crazy and super funny and like just a really good time and the second one you're like a noble but also like a supreme fuck up who's fucks up in some (laughs) way um and both of these games are like honestly the most impressive choice of games like text-based games that i've ever played in my entire life it's always been something that i've been very very interested in because like as a writer and as somebody with like zero capacity to make video games i'm always like this kind of uh is in the place where maybe one day if i tried super hard and i rub my two uh brain cells together really hard i might be able to make one and so it's like playing this i'm like damn this is awesome so if you have some time check them out uh they're pretty expensive like but it's worth it for these two specifically the rest of the choice of games like they kind of run the gambit of being a little bit too expensive because you have to um, replay them repetitively to see all of the uh, text but that's neither here nor there what's making you happy genre there are a couple things that that uh that make me happy if if i may um the first thing is well it starts off with a bad thing i injured my thumb recently uh i sprained my thumb and i have to wear a brace uh so (laughs) that means i can't really use uh a mouse and keyboard as i usually do for a lot of my games or controller so i've had to find games that you can use just just with a mouse and there are a couple that are really really good that i would highly suggest to people one is called strata and the other one is called mini metro Ooh, mini metro um yeah, Mini Metro is amazing. A man of and culture. Mini Metro is on. <laughs> I've been playing Mini Metro for a lot of years. Um, it's especially if you like subways, <laughs> subway systems like I do. Um, basically, a resource management game. Strata is a uh, is a puzzle game, um, but both of them have beautiful music really great visuals uh so if you um just need something to just sock out relax for a little bit and just stretch out your brain then i highly suggest those you can look those up those links uh and links to the games that nicole was talking about will be in the description um 
the big thing that is making me happy is WandaVision. Uh, speaking of the MCU, uh, it is a show on Disney Plus that. Hold on. Cars. Cars. Goddamn cars. We'd be better without them. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucking cars. cars. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I mean, honest, honestly. <laughs> We we probably we probably would uh, like uh, cities would be designed differently and much better. In the end. <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> One Vision is part of is a new show. It is a a show on Disney Plus. It has um, it's directly connected with the movies, it, not like the other shows on Netflix or on ABC or anything that are kind of tangential. Um, and it is this cross between like X Files and Twin Peaks and uh, just you know superheroes. It's just really, really well done. Uh, I have actually watched each episode probably three times each. And so, if you have access to Disney Plus or you know, some way to acquire them, then I highly, highly rec- recommend it. It's uh, especially if you like weird stories that have this really slow burn intention, revealing a more and more of a mystery. And uh, especially, especially if you like the MCU and that stuff, because it's just my mind is just blown like once a week when I'm when I'm watching. I guess I should so. fucking watch that. You should. It's really you People should. Keep I feel, I, I'm feeling. Listen, I'm feeling a lot like when people say that I should play Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> that's what. That's the. Oh, vi- that's the vibe yeah. I keep getting from people who are watching WandaVision. No shade. Like, <laughs> like you have you to. You have to. Did you know that the that the free trial now includes Heavensward? Yes, I do. I mean, I. I have I have felt the same way. There is a fantastic, apparently, series of comics uh, called Sandman that came out in the '80s um, by uh, Neil Gaiman, um, and everybody just goes crazy over them. All of my friends always, and I just I just didn't want to watch it or read it because like people just kept like dumping it in in my brain like oh you have to watch this you have to watch this i have not watched any uh i have not watched any monty python because of the because of that as well yeah because ugh. but what i say is i highly recommend it and just any of the stuff that we talk about on here it's stuff that we love it's stuff that we really appreciate and gives us joy in our lives Mm -hmm. and you know it might do the same thing for you. My shit is extremely Maybe you don't niche. Like that stuff. My shit is extremely oh, niche. Good God, yeah. So oh, you'll be Jesus, so you'll be yeah. fucking fine. I, like no one has ever told <laughs> exactly. you about choice of games. Fucking play it. <laughs> yeah, like if you like what you like, like what you don't like, what you don't like. Um, but if you uh, if you have enjoyed anything that we've suggested, then we we're trying to present stuff that may might make you happy as well. So um, if you're interested in that sort of show, kind of like a mystery, kind of weird, kind of off kilter at the end of every episode, you're like really surprised or really just confused, <laughs> but you want to know more Then uh WandaVision is very, very good. Um, it's been really a, a joy for me to watch. Um, but if you don't want to watch it, then that's fine too. 
I get to no, watch it. No, you have to watch and that's it. That's all I care about. <laughs> yeah, you have, you to, have watch to watch it. it you can change your mind. Did you know that? Me. Did you know that uh, the, the the tree Me. trial for 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 Final <laughs> Fantasy fourteen now includes Heaven's Throne? Heaven's Throne is really fun. You should play it. Oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> it's completely different than MMOs, despite playing exactly the same as every single MMO in existence. But play Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> You really oh do. Oh my god. But yeah, like you just play what you want to play. Just do what makes you happy as long as it, you know, doesn't hurt I anybody. I don't want to sound like a hater, but they're so annoying. Yeah, if if you <sighs> like something, if you really love something, then yes, share it with your friends and your loved ones. Yes, tell them about it, but let them make their own choice. Also, it's like Like I really love WandaVision. Not everybody's going to like it. So I'm not going to like force it on anybody. Yeah, And if somebody says, I don't like that, this type of thing, so I don't want to watch it or I don't feel like it, like, don't go like, well, it'll change your mind. Like, trust people's. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, Just watch the first 10 episodes. No, it really gets <laughs> it really gets good at the end of the first season. Oh, anyway, just I mean, other I mean, the only thing that you should force on people is this is this podcast. That's think, true. Obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, like everybody should listen to this mm-hmm. podcast. Everybody, That's true. you know. So, like I say, like I always say, uh, tell your friends that you love it. Tell your enemies that you hate it. Um, <laughs> and with that, we're going to end this episode. Thank you so much for listening to. I shouldn't have to say this. Uh, we put out our episodes every two weeks, um, and. As this episode is premiering, I just want to wish everybody a, a happy Black History Month. Go tell your, go, like, all the white people listening, go tell all your black friends about peanut butter. Uh, clearly, that's the most important thing about this Please month. don't. Um, <laughs> please the, don't, the don't do that. The other thing I was going to talk know. about today we was not know. being weird to your black <laughs> friends. And, like, I just really want you to, y'all to not be weird to your black friends. <laughs> thanks. So, uh, yeah, thanks. So, yeah, um... If you want to support the show uh, and Black Creatives, then uh, please go to patreon.com slash savethiscast. Uh, we have patrons there that are enjoying the, ep- the each episode early. Uh, you, If you go to a certain level, um, then we will start producing extra episodes for, for patrons. Um, Nicole complaining about different places that she's she's visited and how they suck or uh, <laughs> little mini episodes about uh, about topics that don't require like, you know, an hour. I'll to talk, talk about, about cyberpunk so, for three hours without genre. <laughs> so if you if you subscribe to the Patreon, then if we get enough patrons, then we then that will keep Nicole from doing that. <laughs> this is a threat now. Uh, <laughs> you can also go to coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com slash cast. If you want to contact us, there are a few different ways. You can go to Twitter at cast. You can email us saythiscast at gmail.com. Um, and uh, obviously you can go to saythiscast.com. There you're going to find all of our past episodes. And we are 
this in the next couple months there's going to be a lot of updates to our to our web presence so keep an eye out for that uh nicole where can we find you on the web you can find me on twitter at jack of three trades or on my twitch which is on hiatus but is also jack of three trades um i'll be back eventually so nice yeah. it's always a good time uh, you can find me on Twitter at Press Start Lock. You can find me on Twitch at Press Start Morlock. And every week, uh, every week on Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern, we do a uh, political chat. So if you enjoy this show, then you'll probably enjoy the stream. Really chill, really good people in the in the and chat. I'm almost and, always uh, there. It's true. For when and I'm not. Uh, she always, yeah. <laughs> sometimes she makes a crazy appearance, and we talk about mm -hmm. stuff. All of our music on the show is by Mustin. If you want to hear more, uh, purchase some of his music. Great DJ, great uh, remixer. Uh, go to store.mustinenterprises. That is M-U-S-T-I-N, store.mustinenterprises.com. And uh, the this show is part of the Planetside Podcast Network. If you want to know more about the this or any of the other shows on the network, you can go to planetsidepodcasts.com. I really wanted to scream stonks so fucking badly. I have no idea why. Just stonks! <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I did a good job of hiding it, but I'm in like a very strange mood. <laughs> You're always in a strange... I'm going to stop recording, by the okay. way. <laughs>